Absolutely. This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer. I am Eric Quintana. He's Sam Franco. And the third is Payson Schwinn. Gentlemen, a 3-1 win over Charlotte FC. Talk about luck of the Irish. Mr. Jake Mulraney getting that uh, that goal at the death, ruining the little parade Charlotte was throwing for themselves after scoring their first goal. Gentlemen, how are we? Doing great. Can't complain. Uh, obviously, you got the win uh, against Charlotte. You, you didn't want to start that rivalry and i say that in air quotes because you know it's it's still in its infancy but you didn't want to start with a draw definitely didn't want to start with a loss you know you want to establish dominance in this kind of scenario and atlanta united did with the win and uh, i will say that i might have felt a little bit bad for the traveling supporters because props to the charlotte supporters section they were right underneath where eric and i were in the press box and they were loud they were coordinated and their beers were coordinated, as in coordinated in the air when they scored their first goal. Like some of, there was some definitely of like beer cups and stuff, like reaching as high as like uh, our eye level, <laughs> like in the press box. It was pretty crazy. I was gonna say they have uh, they've got some arms on them, and they came in very good numbers. And they were yeah, like you said, they were loud. And uh, I I heard Security real- didn't have to get involved. I will say like some of their cups like went into this next section over. And like a bunch of like orange shirted, like uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium security, like like swarmed on the Charlotte section. I was trying to figure out like what was going on because they went really nuts when they scored that goal, and they should have. You know, it's the first goal in your team's history. It reminded me a lot of uh, Yamil Assad's goal against uh, New York Red Bulls in uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium, in a sense, because you know you'll never forget that, and those Charlotte fans won't ever forget that. And they also won't never forget their first trip to Mercedes-Benz Stadium being in a big fat L. Uh, the, the, I will say that the people around that section, I don't want to prejudge those people in terms of, you know, what kind of Atlanta United experience they might have. But, uh, you know, there's a reason that you don't put the visiting supporter section like right next to the home supporter section, because otherwise if if the if the if our supporter section had been just sat right next to the Charlotte fans, it probably wouldn't have ended well. But I just getting up and having looked at uh, the kind of the chaos after the Charlotte FC goal, it was funny just to kind of see the surrounding Atlanta United fans going, what the hell are they doing? Like what? <laughs> like, what's yeah, going most, on? I, I Why are they going crazy? Why are they throwing beer? Groups aren't that nuts. Uh, but yeah, I think maybe Sam Jones was describing the situation. He saw like a, a kid and his family there. And I just want to give a shout out to whoever's parents of the kid, because instead of, you know, bringing security down, apparently they were chanting at the Charlotte fans later on in the match. So yeah. bravo to that, that kid and his, uh, his parents. I heard, yeah, I heard nobody gets security involved. Handle your own business. All right. I heard, uh, <laughs> I heard rumors that a smoke bomb went off at some point. Now, Sam, you and I didn't see that. Cause I, and we were right I didn't under, see it. we were right yeah, over I them. Mean, so I, 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 look, I, I'm not denying that it happened. I just, I'm just saying I didn't see it. Sam didn't see it either. We were right above them and there was no, 
no lingering smoke that we saw or anything like that. So, I mean, I, I'm, we weren't, we're directly over them. So we can't, we don't have a good line of sight on, I mean, we have to stand up and just kind of like peer down. Um, but, and so maybe it was further back into the stands that it, that it went off or something. I, I don't know, but, um, but I mean, ballsy of them to bring a smoke bomb into a closed, I guess, semi semi-closed uh, stadium knowing yeah. that that probably wasn't allowed <laughs> good for them uh but as we said 2-1 win for atlanta united over charlotte fc jake Moreno getting the one at the death there um fantastic pass from uh uh moreno and that's underselling it that is underselling I mean, the pass that's okay, one of the pass, best passes pass i've ever seen on a so soccer far. field and that is not hyperbole i mean that was just an incredible pass <laughs> a perfect lob over the top with like the through ball aspect of it that you want. And it was just, uh, it was from it a was long so distance. It was, like, I mean, it was a Beckham I, ball I think right I, there. I think the total, it was, I want to say that he was, I mean, if you think of it in terms of a football field, he was probably like in his own, at his own 40 yard line ish. And the ball ended up basically at the 10 before I think Jake um, ended up on it. Something, something along those lines. And, uh, it was uh it, it was look it, it was a game where Atlanta United kind of dominated the first half most of the first half um and then Charlotte FC kind of built their way back into kind of being able to compete with Atlanta in that second half and it, it didn't really look like the opportunity it didn't I will say at, at that point toward the end of the game after Charlotte FC had kind of scored theirs and um where we get into the latter stages of the game, it didn't. I wasn't super confident that Atlanta United was going to get uh, get their shot to to equalize. Uh, but I mean, props to Atlanta United for fighting through that. that look, this is what what you want to see out of a good team, out of out of a team, out of your team, and this is what you want to what you do see out of good teams. You you see them fight until the last minute. You see them fight until um, that last whistle, and and they find a way to win uh, no matter what. And you beat, you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Now, Atlanta United, you know, not at 100%, but they're, they were supposed to beat Charlotte FC, and they did that. It uh, doesn't really matter how they do that. I, I, I probably had some problems with that in the past, the how you did that. Uh, but in this case, with, with the depleted team, um, if it was a starting 11, I'd probably have more issues. But because it's, it's, it's not a starting 11 that you've got uh, starting the match, uh, I'm okay with, However, you got to get those points. You get those points, and uh, and Man United pulled it off. Uh, this past weekend, yeah, absolutely. yeah. And uh, to your last point there about pulling it out the last second, I, I mean, the difference between this team so far and is that we won the game in the, fi- in the injury time versus last season when we were giving up leads, where we were conceding, uh, losing three point, you know, two or three points uh, at the death. You know, this season we got, I don't know if it's Ozzy Alonzo or, or what, or Pineda or, or something has changed um, in the attitude of the team where uh, there's a little more fight to it. And I love seeing that. Yeah. I mean, that was such a just great thing to see from a team that, you know, we've seen have a penchant to lose leads late and, you know, they did that. It wasn't late necessarily, but they did that again here in terms of you know losing a lead that they did have so to get it back uh and and really just fight until the end was was a really really good thing to see it was really um interesting to watch uh this team 
you know, fight back after giving up that goal. Cause that's not something we've necessarily seen. Um, well, I mean, it's not that it hasn't happened ever, but I'm just saying like the, the, the way that these things usually have gone is the other way. So for Atlanta United to, to fight to the death there and get that last goal, you know, for, for stoppage time, that was, uh, you know, seven minutes. And I think even went longer than that uh, because yeah. of, you know, some various other stoppages that happened within stoppage time. So, uh, just a just a crazy way to to get the win, but I think if you're Jake Mulraney, you know a moment like that is definitely something that you're looking for because when all the healthy players, uh, not just healthy, but when players get back, whether it's via or because of their health, because of green card, you know visa status, whatever, um, this squad's going to be much more loaded. And so a guy like Jake Mulraney needs to have these moments if he wants to be considered for you know a lot of minutes as the team gets you know deeper and deeper what i will say is that this kind of this match kind of cemented in at least in my head my my newfound love for uh for gutman um not only just the effort that he puts in but you know this you've seen from the first match uh at home not so much in the second although there was a lot of consistency there uh the first match at home and then this match the level of of comfort the level of um, his desire to get get forward, his uh, desire to be a little bit more daring. It looks like he himself has gotten just in the short time a little bit more comfortable with his team um, to the point where I think someone mentioned that his crosses were a little, were, were Gressel-like. Uh, I'm not there yet, but it's only been three matches and he very well looks like he could have the capabilities to kind of be a uh, a next best thing to, to, to Gressel that we haven't seen since Gressel left, um, which is, a, which would be a great thing for really for everyone, not just Joseph, but for everyone, uh, especially himself with, with, the, with the amount of production he gave you. But besides that, I don't want to make that comparison too early, but even though I already did, but you see that he's got this, this determination to get forward. He, he, uh, he you can just see that he's, his role on this team is going to be very important moving forward um, because he's going to help really widen the field for Atlanta United, the players, uh, defenders are going to have to make sure they keep an eye on him. Um, And that's going to help a lot of what Atlanta wants to do going forward. I think that one of the big issues that Joseph faces um, this season and particularly in the past uh, since 2000, basically since the 2019 season uh, is that he's not able to get in as much open space as, as he has in the past. Um, He's always had more defenders drawn to him since he's been in the league, which rightfully so because he's been so good. But, uh, but with Gutman, it it offers what both Gutman and then whoever ends up playing on the right, whether it's Brooks Lennon or whoever else, um, their ability to get forward to, 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 to kind of create chaos on the flanks for defenders and for teams by himself, it's going to open a lot of stuff up in the middle um, for Joseph, for uh, Moreno, for whoever, Almada, whoever ends up playing in these positions where, where you need some extra room um, and you want to be able to not only that, but how often did we see guys like pity Barco? They weren't able to really, I mean, George Bella wasn't so much of an issue, but, it didn't seem like there was a lot of confidence in pushing the ball out wide to then get the ball back into the box at some point. And it seemed like 
Pity, Barco, um, maybe Joseph to an extent, but most of the attacking players, there was no uh, emphasis on, I didn't feel like there was an emphasis on taking the ball wide. I, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, that's, it seems like now there's more of a powerful presence out wide for Atlanta United to kind of build off of moving forward. I think hero ball became like a, a big thing because the results weren't there. You were struggling. So players like Pitti, Barco, and even Joseph, like you said, were trying to do too much, like trying to take too much of it on their own, probably because you said maybe didn't have the trust in certain teammates that they would, you know, get them the ball back where they wanted them to get it back. So I think a little bit of that came into play here. I did hear an interview with Gutman after the game, I think it was uh, on the uh, radio uh, broadcast. And he was basically, you know, talking about that timing because the natural comparison to make is going to be Gressel for a lot of yeah. United fans, just because uh, that was such a successful partnership. And you really want to see that again. And Gutman, I mean, that guy was putting balls in, you know, left and right. Well, really just left. Cause I think that's the side of the field <laughs> he was on, but he was putting them in a lot. And I, I'm with you, Eric. I don't think the the accuracy necessarily or timing is there yet. And Gutman even talked about that. He's like, that's the number one thing that we have to, you know, get in sync with talking about him and Joseph. It's just because uh, I think that it was uh, Jason Longshore on the radio broadcast who was like, yeah, because Joseph makes movements that are hard to predict from the perspective of whoever is passing him the ball. And so I think that's why the Gressel and the Gressel and, and Joseph, you know, partnership was so successful because Gressel was able to pick out those movements a lot quicker and, and to a lot more success than other people had been able to playing with Joseph. So if Gutman can learn that and get that timing down, then yeah, I mean, this could be Gressel and, and Joseph 2.0. And obviously that would be great whether Joseph can, you know, capitalize on those opportunities is a discussion that we're going to hold off on for now, have a little bit later in the show, but yeah, I mean, it just, the, the, the delivery and the amount of balls that Gutman was putting in certainly was, was a promising sign. Yeah. And just uh, from a number standpoint, we had 17 crosses, which is a good number. I know I remember seeing a pass chart from a, uh, right after the match and it, it was, you know, cross central from both sides. I mean, the difference. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to exclude Brooks Lennon from this because he's also, yeah, I, I want to add in Lennon, you know, the even the Gutman angle, the Gutman right angle is, is to me, it's what's been huge mainly. I, not only because of his ability, but he also his, his, uh, um, just the amount of effort he puts into the games that we've seen so far. Anyways, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, uh, I don't want to exclude Lennon at all. I mean, we had a lot of attacks going down the right, especially in the first half. But, you know, I think the difference that I'm seeing just with my naked eye is, uh, you know, playing the ball in quickly. You know, Joseph is not one where he can, especially with a knee injury, like come from a standing position, get up above everyone. You know, a lot of the what Gressel did with him was, you know, play one touch, one or two touch quickly, cross it in as Joseph's running full steam ahead towards the back line. And, you know, you're starting to see a lot more with that, you know, uh, with Lennon running at pace, getting that timing down that, uh, that Gress always had. And, um, you know, it's something we, I mean, we saw tons of crosses under DeBoer and some under Heinze, but they were always after pointless possession and we kick it out wide, cross it in, and then the other team would clear it out. 
Uh, now I'm getting the sense that, you know, we're, a lot of these crosses are coming in in more dangerous positions with the defense a little off kilter. You know, that's, so that's, um, you know, I'm liking the, the play from out wide uh, coming in. And like you said, Gutmann has been a, a breath of fresh air in that respect because I don't think, you know, Bello had that type of delivery in his game quite yet. Um, so throwing Gutmann in there has been, um, I think, just changed the, the whole complexion of the game. I, I look at uh, one of the numbers that I wanted to bring up, and it's not like a, a, a revolutionary number. What it could mean is, at least early on in the season, um, is pretty pretty significant. You've got five goals from five different players, um, and I ultimately wonder if this is the emphasis um, on not relying solely on Joseph that we heard about from uh, Gonzalo Pineda. Uh, I think before the first match is when I heard, I tried to find a tweet, but I couldn't specifically find it. I think I mentioned it on a broadcast that Pineda was talking about um, this team, not solely relying on Joseph to score goals. And so you've got as much as you want to see Joseph score goals. You also, you know, what happens when you with specifically with teams with the United teams in the past, when you've had to rely solely on Joseph, it just doesn't, it, it's not a productive attack. Like it has been like, like it should be. Um, and so five goals from five different players, three matches in um, you obviously want Joseph to score more. You want him to have more of those moments, uh, but it's good to see that at least early on, we've been able to dominate games. Well, would you say we dominated Charlotte? I feel like. Maybe Definitely in the first, I felt two, like we maybe did it in the first half. Maybe it's too strong. Sure. Yeah. I, I guess you can't really say dominate when you, win at the last second but um yeah i wouldn't say half dominated the first at all. Half. i mean the, the <laughs> first 10 minutes was crazy like back and forth then yeah. charlotte dropped back and i think atlanta dominated a little bit of the possession but they weren't taking you know taking it, their chances so to speak so they weren't really dominating yeah, let me let me simplify it it's good to see that atlanta united at least early in the season three matches two wins both those wins have come uh not necessarily relying on joseph even joseph even though joseph did have the two assists uh in 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 match one uh, it's good to see that you, know, you other people have stepped up early uh, or early on and, and that it could, this could be sort of that emphasis that, that uh, Gonzalo Pineda was talking about fingers crossed, because I mean, that, that to me, my, that could be, uh, especially if Joseph isn't necessarily going to be, which I hope this is not the case, but if Joseph isn't going to be say the, the dominating goal scorer um, that we're accustomed to him being, I still would even even if he's not that dominating goal scorer, I would still expect him to still be the leading scorer in the team. To still have plenty of opportunities throughout the season to, um, to you know, to put up the numbers that 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 we we hope he puts up. Um, but to get the assistance in terms of uh, attacking production from everyone else as well, um, just makes the team better. Just makes the team able to um, adjust when things aren't going the way it should. Whenever uh, teams are, are defending in a way that really just takes Joseph out of the game. You know, you don't have to, you, you know, that guys can kind of step up in those moments and, uh, and, and really, and, and find ways to score. You'd wish that Gutman in some of those opportunities that he had, uh, had put one away. Um, Joseph, I think had uh, ultimately four shots on goal is the stat I saw today, which is the most he's had since the Campionas cup in 2019, which, I, I, I saw that stat and I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. It's good because, you know, this is the first game since then that he's had a bunch of those opportunities. Um, 
but he ultimately didn't score on those opportunities. And the goal he did score on was the PK, obviously. And you just wonder, it's it's good overall, and it's still too early in the season to really make any type of determination on 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 this team in general. Uh, so I don't want to over analyze the stat, but at the same time, it's like, man, it's been that long since 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 we've had a, a, a dominant attack, I guess we'll call it, um, with this Atlanta United team. And and I don't know. Tell me guys how you guys feel about that number as as you read it or as you hear it. Well, it's crazy because you and I, I think, paid a pretty significant amount of attention watching this game to Joseph and his, you know, not just off the ball movements, but movements in general, movements when he was being targeted, movement just pretty much all throughout the game. And I don't know the right way to put this. There is something that is not the same with his game that it used to be, I guess. That's probably still a bad way to put it, but he's not as gung-ho in terms of like attacking a chance. There were a few different times where a ball may have like gone a little bit past his reach, but you still feel like an old, not old Joseph, but like Joseph of a few years ago was going all out for a lot of these. And it feels like he doesn't throw himself at the ball with as much, I don't want to say reckless abandon because that's not the right term, but you know what I mean? With as much fire, with as much intensity, he doesn't seem to be doing that. He also doesn't seem to be always wanting to be the first one to get into the box when there's an opportunity. Like I know that he had a lot of shots on goal in this game, but there's just something that doesn't appear to be the same about the way that he is playing the game. And this is something we've talked about a lot. This is something that, you know, I really wish he would have put home one of those chances that he had. There was the one um, sort of late in the game, uh, like 83rd or 84th minute where the one that was a, had a, you know. I think the one that was saved, ahead. right? Is it the one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it was the one that was saved. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think I even said to you, like, I know it's hard to do this in the moment because – that ball's coming at you fast. You got to make a decision, but I don't know. I was just like low across the face seemed better than just smashing that one. But again, that's probably hyper overanalyzing. I think more than I think, anything, I think that you th- just want to see him put those in. I think that there might, there, there's a little, and, and I'm, I'm victim of this too, but there might be a little bit of bias in that we, we are under the impression that he's not the same player that he was once was, or that he was say Mm -hmm. in 2017, 2018. And so we look at everything with a more critical eye in that regard. And it's not to say that we're, we're down on Joseph, but in those moments, it's like, well, should I'll give you, I'll give you an example of mine. I think mine may, 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 may be more of a, of a, uh, an example of kind of what you're talking about, but um, there was a moment where uh, Joseph I think, I don't know if he was, I'm trying to think if he stole the ball or if Charlotte just lost in possession in the back and he just kind of ran with it. He was going down the right side and I don't know who was running into the box with him, but it is a, if Joseph looks up and is not, is not just thinking goal all the way. Um, if he doesn't have that determination just to go straight to goal, if he looks in any, basically if he just lifts his head up, he sees whoever's running with him it's an easy slot and it's an easy goal for that person. 
Um, and I wish I remembered who it was that was running with him at the, at, in the moment, but um, I, I have a feeling that, that he's so gung ho about getting back to the way he was about scoring about, and rightly so. I mean, early season and at, at that, I don't even know if he had scored the PK at that point, but he, no, I guess he hadn't scored the PK at that point. Um, he wants to score. He wants to get back to form. He wants to be able to be that guy you can count on again, but he's so determined that he didn't, I, I, I think he missed that opportunity. And I think he even knew it himself because he kind of like put his hands up and, and whoever was shouting at him was like, I, Joseph knew that he missed that one because he should have just passed it uh, laterally to whoever was running with him. And it would be an easy slot into the back of the goal. And it's, it's that, that recognition that I, I think, you always want Joseph. Oh, Joseph has the green light always, right? I think no one's no one's undermining that. But oh yeah, in this moment, if he hadn't been so focused on scoring, hadn't been so focused on getting back to form, I think he would have been more aware that somewhat there's an easier opportunity over there, which is so weird because in game one, he was all about giving up the ball with those two two assists. You know, it made perfect sense. And this, it would have made perfect sense for him to slot it slotted across for an easy goal, and and that didn't happen. And I think what you are describing is more kind of a striker trying to come back into form. It's a mental thing for sure. Yeah. It's a mental confidence thing. What I would be more concerned with was a performance like the last game where he completely disappeared, uh, wasn't making the runs we're used to throws his arms up in frustration. Uh, And, you know, good staff from Teotl was that he sent me was he, he made double the runs to challenge the back line than he did compared to the first two games. I noticed that too. Yeah. And that, and that and I said I said Teodor is he was he making more runs it seemed like he was and and the stats back that up so I, I I'm I'm very confident that we'll begin to see glimmers of the old Joseph uh, you know what one of those was a great save I think once he gets his finishing boots back on you know he'll start scoring in buckets again I also but, think, I mean I also but yeah it's a, it's an encouraging sign that he's getting in spots yeah. that he's making those runs again that I think he's starting to feel his knee under him and, and really get more aggressive. I mean, it's no doubt that you would rather have him have those moments than not have those moments. So it's good that Atlanta United is getting him in a position where he can have those moments, even if he's uh, you know, even if he has a game like last week where it, it seemed like he should have capitalized on more, he's still in those positions to put the team ahead to, you know, to finish uh, an attack. Um, I think that with Araujo coming back at some point, it looks like he might, I think, Kanga was saying that he's very optimistic that it could be after the international. He was break. running on the treadmill. Uh, it, week, it seems so. it seems like it won't be. I initially thought it was going to be pretty bad because it it like I think it, it looked bruised, bad with that bruised off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, that doesn't look good. Uh, but it looks like it. They're optimistic that it's going to be sooner rather than later. Um, you add him back into the mix and and what he can do going forward and how much space he can op- open up for Joseph to to help with those runs, um, Almada, and then what he presents the, the one the one nervous thing that I heard in the press conference afterwards was that Pineda was talking about how he doesn't know what Almada's best position is yet. And that's that's a little concerning for a guy that you spent so much money on that you broke records for that you brought in. And I'm like, you don't know where he's going to fit. I mean, I don't know if that's a matter of, okay, well, I don't know if his best position is behind Joseph or next to Joseph. And if it's a matter of tweaking one of the two, or have he just, is he a winger? Is he a striker? Is he uh, uh, more of a midfielder? Like, and I'm like, I, that's not something I, I, I wish 
I probably should. Yeah, I prefer my managers to say to go help go, you know help the front office and say I need this. If it's a little thing, this. no problem. But there was there was no distinction between okay, was it like a like a tiny thing? Like you know, I'm going to position them you know ten centimeters to the left or the right, or is it like a position thing where I don't know where on the field he perfectly belongs? Um, so I don't know. Thankfully, it, or thankfully, it might have just been a you know press conference kind of maybe yeah i i'm not i'm not gonna read too i was also concerned but uh thankfully as much as you don't want to see this there's enough confidence in the rest of this team to fill a gap if almeida doesn't really pan out um in year one or if he struggles to get kind of accustomed to the league or whatever you know cliche you want to throw at new players coming into the league uh there's enough confidence behind him to kind of uh, you know, hold things together in the midfield, but you do hope that he is a player that can help impact uh, Joseph's production along with Araujo. You, you see how um, Brooks Lennon and, and, and Gutman come along in this season uh, with the new additions. And, and you're looking at a potential, you're looking more confident after last match that Atlanta United can really be dangerous moving, moving forward, not only moving forward in the season, but also just generally in matches, um, especially in moments where, you know, especially when you're talking about uh, situations where, where subs are coming in and you're playing against tired players and you know, that that's all going to be great, especially with this team. Cause that's not something we've particularly had in the past. Normally when Atlanta United subbing, at least in my mind, it's always been a, it's been more a matter of, okay, can we hold on to what we already have versus can we, uh, can we expand or can we, can we increase the lead that we do have? Can we put this game away? There's more confidence in that kind of a mindset versus what, uh, what, what at least mine has been in the past. So I don't know if that's the same with every Atlanta United fan, but um, this, this, the depth on Atlanta United right now is, is very good. And I think that is one of the major keys for an MLS team to really be dangerous, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the, the deep parts of the season. Well, yeah, but especially because most teams, you know, spoiler alert, don't have that uh, in this league because <laughs> of the way that the rosters can be constructed or whatever. But if you're Charlotte, you don't have to worry about that because clearly your sporting director knows better than everyone else and thinks that you're an idiot if you question anything he says. That was one of the funniest things, I think, leading into this game was just looking at some of the things that have come out of Charlotte's camp in terms of building a roster, in terms of, you know, being able to not just build a roster, but do it within the confines of MLS's very ridiculous salary restrictions. And they just were not ready in any way, shape, or form. I mean, one of the first players they signed, they ended up selling before he even played a game for the team. (laughs) I mean, I understand wanting to do that you know i understand wanting to be a team that's bringing in guys and then flipping them for more money because that's ultimately what they did and that's what atlanta united has kind of been known for doing but before he's even like had a chance to even play for your team imagine that was just a weird one imagine that imagine (laughs) that situation it's like wait which alan franco did you get no we wanted the other alan franco (laughs) yeah that's the other thing too it's like wait wait that's not the one from atlanta how many alan francos are there (laughs) um no i uh yeah i i look i I was down after game two i'm more optimistic after game after match three um i think that uh one of the things i tweeted out is that ultimately 
outside of the rest of the team, the rest of the, the everything other than Joseph, the, Joseph's the only one that really worries me. Um, and that, that's more of a product of potentially everyone else kind of getting more into the flow of the season. But I did say that at some Joseph needs to help LAI needs to help Joseph be more dangerous and Joseph needs to help himself be more dangerous, particularly in the final third. Now, what I hope is that once everyone gets back healthy, once you're talking about, again, Araujo, uh, Almada, uh, Moreno, uh, uh, all the guys that you want in the attack kind of flowing together, that that opens up a lot more space for Joseph to do more because as of late, it just seems like he is, it, it, it feels like he's always going up against giants on that back line in the box. And he's not able to kind of, um, yeah, he's not able to make the runs that he used to make. He's not able to kind of be as productive as, as he used to be. So hopefully that changes. Um, let's talk about the Charlotte FC goal for a second. Uh, and I know we've harped on Brad Guzan. Um, that's one he probably Ooh. should have had. Yeah. That, uh, I, 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 the highlights over and over. Oh my goodness. I, that's I'm not probably a goalkeeper critic, had. but goodness. Um, he probably should have made that save. And that's, that's, I think we were talking about it last week where, you know, you have, he's a very competent goalkeeper, but will he make those great saves that you need? Um, no, not <laughs> clearly not. Yeah, it's, that was, I, I totally agree that he should have had that. I, th- I think that was one where Eric and I looked at each other and we're like, should he have that one? And then I like leaned over for the little monitor they have in front of us to watch the replay. And I'm like, yeah, he should have had that one. I mean, it was, it, you know, you get your hand to it. It, it, it almost seemed like he, even though he got a hand to it, he was still slow. And that's why he yeah. ultimately didn't make the save was because he didn't have a chance to control where his hand was going to hit the ball to move it out. He just kind of deflected it and it went in. It's just like a step too slow. And maybe that's just, you know, with age and reaction time getting a little slower because that seems to be a save that, you know, Brad Guzan of three or four years ago would have made. I, 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 I'm trying to think like I speed is pro is definitely like a, a, an aspect of, of a save like that. I mean, but if you get not, it's if not get, physical speed, it's mental speed. Maybe that's it. Yeah. That's, maybe, yeah, that's maybe that's what it. Your reaction, reaction, reaction time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, As an older gentleman, I can understand uh, his reaction time is a little, <laughs> little down. Look, that's more, why more, I don't go driving at night anymore, boys. Normally, when you. Oh, I got a stigmatism. I can't do that. Man. Normally, when you put your hand on, the, on a, your glove on a ball, you, you're, you're meant to save that ball. You should be able to save it. In this case, it just kind of gets under him. Um, and it, it just. It just he and I want to emphasize Brad Guzan is one is going to be the goalkeeper of the season um, and he's going to be fine. Like there's no he is not going to make or break um, outside of maybe the playoffs. He's not going to make and break your season. Um, it's those moments that it's just like, mm, you know what, for the money we're paying him, there are yep. there are other options yep. that can that can be uh, that. I would feel more confident might've made a better, a better save in that moment. Um, thankfully it didn't cost you the game. Thankfully it's the other aspect of it too, is that, um, and Pineda was talking about this after the match is that that goal happened right after uh, the Almada and Moreno subs. And so there's very likely that, and I'd have to look at back at it again. Uh, but the goal, that goal happening to begin with might've been a product of them still try, trying to get into the game. Um, you know, obviously they've just removed two players that were in the game sub or marking on corners uh, up to that point. So maybe that had something to do with it as well. Um, I mean, it's a good, it's a good header. It's a good service. It's a, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a good first goal for, uh, for Charlotte FC. Uh, 
Brad could have probably done better in that moment. And, um, you know, he's, it's just one of those things where I think at least this season, you got, you're, you have to live with those moments and, and hope it doesn't cost you big time. I don't want to harp too much on it because, you know, he's fine. He's going to, he's a competent goalkeeper. He's fine. He's, he's, he's going to help you direct from the back. He's going to like it. I've got no problem with Brad Guzan, you know, being the goalkeeper for Atlanta this season, but you look ahead and you just wonder if maybe there's um, a, a better options for the future. Just, I, I guess, a bit of an upgrade. Um, I don't know what Guzan's plans are for the rest of his career and how much more of a career he wants um, or what the contract situation, I assume it's his last year. Uh, anyways, but that that's just uh, the, the Charlotte FC goal was just, it, it was kind of a, it's bad marking on Atlanta United, but it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, I, would you say it's more bad marking or bad goalkeeping? I would say it's more bad marking than bad goalkeeping. Yeah, I put, no, I, I wouldn't totally blame Gazan. I mean, no, yeah, was, me neither. He had a pretty wide open header. So, but given that the shot was made, given that the header was attempted, that everything connected, I would say that once that happens and, you know, it's, it's, it's coming to you, Guzan, in that moment, you may have been able to do, may, should have been able to do maybe a little bit better. Um, what other was there anything else you guys took away from this match or maybe after the match? Um, any any big takeaways for you guys? I think for me, it's really just continuing to tell myself that you can't make big assumptions or you know big predictions on what the rest of the season is going to be because this team has looked very different in all three games you know game one it was it was hit them on the counter you know take advantage of those transition opportunities game two was just get your butt kicked game three was boss the possession and not really feel too threatened for the majority of the game against charlotte you know they didn't take advantage of, of the opportunity in the box off the set piece, which Atlanta United has to get better at <laughs> defending set pieces. Yes. I feel like we say that all the time. And Pineda, uh, said, Pineda said it too. Pineda said it too. I, he also admitted yeah. that that's a worry for him as well. But course, you make a great point yeah, about the, the subs. That I, I think for this one, maybe you can you can blame the recent subs. Yeah, and you yeah. you could just the transition of you know this is how we're playing to this is the next way we're playing. I will say that too. Not only did that goal probably happened because of the subs, but it also probably negated what Gonzalo Pineda wanted to do with the subs because you bring them in with a goal lead and your strategy is going to be different from, you know, bringing those guys into a one, one game where you're trying to go get the winning goal. So I think ultimately everything was changed a little bit by what happened there. But if you look at, if you look at the way that this team has played all season long, I just talked about how there were a lot of differences in all three of the games, but I think one consistent thing that I've seen is that this team feels more like a team. There's more solidarity. They're, they're more cohesive of a unit than we've seen over the past few years. And that's the best sign of anything I've seen from the team period. I think I, I think I want to put a lot of that on 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 Pineda because look I I this yeah. was the first time that I was able to sit uh, in front of him in one of his press conferences and I hadn't done a lot of watching him when it came came to some of the video content for his for his interviews uh, but I was kind of blown away at how impressive this 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 guy is um, and in the moment as I'm sitting I'm like my gosh this guy might have a job as long as he wants to stay in Atlanta and I we've, it's only been three matches. 
but he has that kind of presence. He has that kind of, he's, he's, he's incredibly intelligent. He speaks incredibly well. Um, and even keel, very even keel, very, I mean, he's, he's, uh, there was a certain level of like, uh, I'm trying to how do how do I describe Tata in the press conferences like this? Uh, just Tata cool. always felt like he was playing a game with. Yeah, him. exactly. It, yeah, it was did. never. It, it was, was never straightforward. He was always, there was always something in his head where he was trying to screw it was, with. All. It was a, it was a bit of the mind games. It was a bit of the fun. It was a bit of the you know I know this is part of the job, but you know I I don't I don't love talking to you guys, but I also like know that it has to happen. So while I'm here, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy the moment. <laughs> Uh, no, Panay loves every single element of this job. I think Frank it, DeBoer, including talking to us. Frank DeBoer was just kind of like a, a very dry, very. You ask the question, he's going to answer you directly and and as kind of very as quickly as possible. Sometimes too directly. Yeah. Uh, Pineda just came off the, as the like funds are spoiled. Pineda Pineda came off as someone who I understand what what's going on here. I understand what you need. I understand what I can give you. Um, I understand how honest I can be, and I'm going to be very, not only straightforward, but very open with what I can tell you because you're doing it. I mean, he's pointing, I'm, I'm, I, all the media, not just us here at Miles of South, but, um, you guys are doing uh, your jobs. Uh, I'm doing my job, but I also know that, you know, this is, this is a, a very, I want to make it as friendly as possible as it, it just, I was blown away at how, uh, just the level of um uh i guess openness that he was he was he was presenting to us and i was like all right this is gonna be this gonna be fun there's not i will put it this way with tata i wasn't there was no nerves uh with asking questions there were some it depended on who asked the questions and what kind of questions were asked um and he might give you kind of like a snarky response back with frank DeBoer, he it always seemed like he sometimes either didn't understand the question. I, I don't know. It, it was weird with Frank DeBoer, but with Pineda, it's he, he understands what's going on. He fully gets why you're asking the questions. Um, he's not going to, he, he's not going to respond with anything kind of um, uh, even if it's not meant to be kind of like a, what was the purpose of that question type of response. Um, sometimes that, that especially kind of under Frank DeBoer, that's kind of how it could come off. Uh, anyways, Pineda, I think is, is going to be the glue. I got sidetracked there a little bit. Uh, Pineda, <laughs> Pineda is, I think is going to be that, that, what, that, which, what you're talking, which is what you're talking about. That, that guy that kind of really helps the team gel together. That kind of helps keep that cohesion alive. Um, it, it, I, 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 I would just, I would, I feel based off just the one press conference, I feel like I love playing for him. I love training with him. I love kind of being, uh, being, you know, being coached by him. Uh, and, and I, I remember telling myself, I think this guy's got a job until he wants to leave. I, I don't know that the, the team is going to do bad enough for him to ever get fired the way Frank DeBoer did. Um, oh, so. Let me put a bow on this for you. Let me put a bow on what you're trying to say here, because I, I felt all of this too when I went after the KC match and into the post-match and just listening to him. He doesn't dumb it down for the media like a lot of coaches do. He fully talks about his tactics. He fully talks about why he does certain things, treats the media like you know, they know soccer because, you know, a lot of us do and we, we understand the game. So when he talks and gives answers, I think it's not only great for the media because you're getting thoughtful responses, but then when the media takes those and, and turns it into content, whether it's us talking, whether it's uh, a written article on Dirty South or from Doug Robertson, any media coverage is going to be more informed because he is 
you know, more thoughtful and, and, and intelligent and all that stuff with his answers. So that's going to translate into the coverage. And I think, you know, fans will benefit from that because he's a coach that, you know, talks about the game the way it should be talked about. And, and ultimately that that's great. I fully understand why he's held in such high regard uh, in Seattle. And um, they, like an example of openness that I thought of was the, the, the fact that he talked about Araujo's injury now that's happened before. It's not like no one's ever talked about an injury in a press conference, but he, he, it didn't really hesitate. He didn't hesitate to say that he was optimistic that it might be closer to about a month, but he also said, you know, but we'll see, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, that's, that's what we're thinking now, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens then in the past. It might've just been like, well, you know, he's still, he, they, they, there might not have been a timetable given the other aspect of the openness is him admitting that he, I don't know what Almada's position, best position is right now. I don't know exactly how he fits um, and I guess the one, the one way he could have been even more open is in what way That's did an you openness got... backfire? If you will. Maybe like, sure. But you would rather <laughs> have, have that a little too open, yeah. you'd rather have that because then you understand what goes into some of the decision-making process. You know, you understand if someone is left off the starting 11, maybe why it was left off the starting 11. Maybe he's, he wants to try this with, without Almada or, or maybe Almada's out wide for whatever you understand kind of the thought process behind why maybe some of these decisions are made, you know, and for a fan base that hasn't had that kind of openness in the past where it's kind of like, why would he make a decision like this? Why would he not start this person? Or why would he sit this person? Maybe now you get more of an understanding as to why that happens. Um, and it's more clear across the fan base. So it's not, you know, he, you know, not that the fan base can really do much when it comes to, big decisions with the club at all, but um, at least there's an understanding between the club and the, and the supporters that, that, you know, there's, there's open communication there. So uh, that I, I definitely appreciated that. And I, and I, I don't know. It just feels like this team um, looks like they enjoy playing under him at least so far. And in, in what we saw last season. Um, and Can I make one it's, more it's almost, about, it's almost, it's almost, it's almost, it's very similar to the way it looked like the players were playing under Valentino. So even more so because, you know, uh, Pineda is obviously the, the coach for the long haul, we hope. Um, and, and that's at least, you know, cemented with his hire, you know? Yeah, I uh, totally agree about the, the coach and just gelling of the team. And I want to make one final point on my end is, uh, Having a guy like Ozzy Alonzo, I think, is what we a lot we missed a lot. Take a look at what happened when Joseph had that penalty. You had Charlotte guys just trying to oh, literally yeah. talking in his ear, talking shit, you know, marking up the spot, doing whatever they could. Yeah. Ozzy gets in their face and says, "Get away from my boy." Well, Joseph and, called him over there. Like you, could, you yeah, can he's see like, it "Hey, Ozzy, come over here." <laughs> I need my enforcer. He's, he's the bouncer now, and and it was something we're missing, and. God, it was good to have that. And it's going to be an interesting thing once Sosa's healthy and a lot, you know, you're going to be mixing and matching with the, those two in midfield. Um, but just having Alonzo on the bench is, is something with Pineda is, is going to be invaluable uh, to motivate this team. He's got that. He's got that like very calm bash bro effect. Yeah. He also looks over the, over the course of the, 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 first, you know, what we've seen so far with Atlanta United, he, he looks like he's grown more comfortable, uh, in the role that he's been put in. And um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, what, one of the questions that I saw that popped up on Miles of the South was, you know, what, what, what happens when something to the effect of what happens when. Uh, yeah. Aaron Nobles asked that. Uh, what was the question? Tell me again. 
Sorry, I forgot uh, the question. Do you feel like Peta will have fully tough... fit? You know it. You yeah, when Sosa is fully fit, reintegrate him. So I, I think Sosa is going to be the 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 preferred starter over a guy like Ozzy. But at the same time, it's it's you know what Tata called champagne problems. You, you got you got to figure out what works best in that moment, and if that means Sosa you know, sits for a specific game or Ozzy sits for a specific game. Uh, you know, maybe we have to get more accustomed to an idea that what we really have is a starting like 15, a starting 17, whatever the number actually is. And it's a matter of what fits well against the team that you're playing on that specific day. And so there's not going to be a consistent starting 11. It's more like a, okay, well, how do we, what's the best combination of our starting 17 that can really, you know, take it to the team we're playing um, given what they're, what they're presenting us. And so that's a good problem to have. Um, it, it may mean less minutes for certain players or, you know, or it, it, it promotes competition and then you've got players playing out of their minds, you know, over the course of the season, you hope for the latter um, because that would mean that, that you've got players just again playing outside their minds and playing to a level that they wouldn't have played if they didn't have that competition right behind them knowing that they could potentially lose that spot um you know if if anything were to happen all right uh let's wrap up any final closing thoughts before we uh, take off yeah um somebody well i'm not going to say somebody talked me out of it because none of you would do that but I'm really, really thinking about heading up to Charlotte on April 10th. Like I really <laughs> want to go uh, experience that. Uh, I wish I could. I, I can't make it because I really want to. But uh, Payson, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm looking forward to playing Montreal after they have to go to Mexico City again this week. Yeah, they play tonight. A good game. <laughs> um, they have not. Uh, they have not won a game yet, much like Charlotte ha- hasn't. And I'm trying to think if they. No, they definitely scored. Uh, no, wait, has Montreal? Sorry, hold on. Let me look that up real quick. I don't know. I think they I got, actually. I'm not I, sure if they scored. I they've think had some real problems. And you and I need to. No, no, no. Sorry, you and I need to they, go with some filler they've, here. They've, because, no, no, uh, no, no. Hold on. They've, on live they've scored. I just they've scored. I just need to make sure they hadn't <laughs> won, and I don't think they've won a game yet. Yeah, yeah, they have not won a game yet. So yes. I'm, I'm feeling good for it for us. Uh, look, but here's the thing with these teams. I, Montreal does not look like they're a good team right now, but whenever teams are on these bad streaks, it's always this, this case of like whether Atlanta is the better team or not. And it clearly looks like Atlanta is the better team. Montreal is in this position where like they're due for a win or a draw or something good to come their way. So can Atlanta United being a good team, can they overcome that? If Atlanta United is a good team, more often than not, they're going to find ways to win against a team like Montreal. So hopefully Atlanta United is the team that we think it is and they can find a way to win. Um, and I'll leave, I'll leave that as my final thought. All right. Good talking with you boys. See you next week. All right. That does it for us until next time. See you later, Atlanta. Bye. Bye. Bye.